Welcome back to our conversation with Paula Yu, part two. We're going to get, it's going to take a bit of a different angle as we get into her book and, you know, some cultural uh, conversations that are really nuanced and, and outstanding. And if you haven't had a chance to listen back to part one, I definitely check it out, especially if you want to learn how to productively procrastinate. Give us a like, leave us a review, share it, and we'll let you get to part two. I would say with every generation, every generation gets louder, and I don't necessarily think it's only for Asian Americans. It's also for the, the Black community, for the African American community. There was a lot of sundown towns. There was slavery. You were quiet. You didn't want to cause trouble because then trouble would come for you. I mean, and I do have to credit, a lot of times we talk about the older generation, like, oh, you guys were too quiet. And so that silence is complicit. You're being complicit. And the younger generations, we're fighting back. You know, Paula wrote a book. You know, people are making movies. And it's like, yeah, but if our parents and grandparents, great-great-parents, if they spoke up, they could be killed. Yeah, their literal lives were in danger. So I think that what we have to do is we have to honor their silence in terms of their silence was how they survived to give the new generation a voice to speak out because they never had a chance to speak out. We're speaking out for them. You do a lot of things and a lot of your writing and most recent book is very much exposing the cultural challenges of AAPI people in Western society or in general. Curious to really, since we are in this very modern, very new phase of hate against Asian Pacific Islanders in, in America because of COVID, what is something about it, that we're missing collectively to understand about this experience, especially in this current moment around COVID, a year and a half Delta variant time? I imagine it hasn't just gone away, right? This is your perspective, but you know, this is something that you're invested in. So I want to, I think it's a valued perspective. No, of, of course. And thank you for addressing that. There have been a couple of articles coming out saying that, yeah, you know, the, as with the news cycle, things, you move on to the next big scandal, the next big breaking news thing. That's the reality of the media, that that's the reality of human nature. And you get burned out on the same topic over and over, unfortunately. But I did see a couple of articles recently that said that even though the attention on anti-Asian racism during this pandemic has kind of waned and gone away. The crimes haven't. The crimes have actually continued to grow. I think we're up to about 10,000 reported anti-Asian acts of violence and harassment because of the pandemic. So it's, it's not going away. I think the other interesting thing was that Illinois was the first state to mandate mandatory teaching of the history of Asian American and Pacific Islanders in America for kindergarten through 12th grade in all public schools in Illinois. And now New York, California, a bunch of other states are following suit because people have realized, oh, the reason why Asians are constantly scapegoated when something bad happens in this country is because no one knows our history. And we are, and as a result of that, we are constantly viewed as the perpetual outsider, the perpetual foreigner. We're not truly American. And we don't count when it comes to the discussion of race in this country. We don't have a seat at the table. So I, I think 
the biggest thing that we need to address is the consistency of coverage of Asian American Pacific Islanders in the media, in our in history, in our classrooms, in our literature, in our contributions, and also in our problems. Th- that consistency needs to be there because it seems once every few decades there is this big epiphany that non-Asian America gets where it's like, Asians suffer racism? Oh, we put them in, we illegally imprisoned the Japanese during World War II. We killed all these, the Chinese laborers made the railroad and we didn't put them in the picture in 1896. You know, it's like, we're always rediscovering this. And it's like, guys, it's, it's never gone away. Oh my gosh, Asian Americans are protesting for the first time against anti-Asian hate. It's like, well, they did the same thing for Vincent Chin in 1983. They did the same thing in the 1960s. In fact, Asian American, the term was coined by Asian American activists in college to support the Black Panther Party. There's a whole history of Asian and Black solidarity that people don't know about and so forth. So it's like once, it's like the how do you say those cicadas? You know those insects that the seven year cicada, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like every seven or seventeen years, it's like once a blue moon, we're like, oh my god, Asians suffer from racism. And it's so it's so annoying. It's like we're in t- it's like the groundhog day. Groundhog's day. Yeah. yeah it's being yeah. Asian American in this country is groundhog's day. You keep repeating the same. You took it exactly where I was gonna go and saying, but it's not new. You started writing this book from a whisper to a rally cry, you started writing this before the pandemic because this has been an issue like like the pandemic spurred a new phase of it but this is not new like this what happened to vincent happened in the 80s like this actually a day before like it was very close to my birthday actually, 1982 is, it was june 19, yeah. 1982 yeah it was like a few days before my birthday which is like wild to me but it's not new and the history component of it is very interesting. I mean, I learned about internment camps in high school. I don't know that everybody does anymore. I know that like slavery is not necessarily talked about in all this the books anymore. Well, actually, I think the other thing too is when we talk about American exceptionalism, and I think the problem is Time Magazine did a really good article on why Asian American history isn't really taught is because most Asian history is because we tried to take over their countries. Like we've done bad things to other Asian countries. And so that's why they're refugees. Then immigrants come over here. So we're the bad guy. So subconsciously. Why would we want to talk about that? Yeah. And it's, and it's like with slavery and with civil rights, it's like, sorry guys, we messed up. And, um, they were immigrants. They were visitors here. We didn't bring them in chains on boats. They wanted to come here. It yeah, was exactly. a vacation spot. Sorry we bombed your country. You know, it's it's yeah, exactly. Or or whatever. And I think that there has to be the whole point of history, it's about accountability and atonement and how to make things better. And that's the beauty of history. But I think right now we're in such an unfortunate time um, in terms of our f- very fractured, fractured country. And it's interesting that you brought up the book. I've known about Vincent Chin my whole life, but I mean, ever since college. But when I pitched the book and wrote the book proposal, it was 2018. And at the time, this was two years after Trump was elected president, uh, anti-Asian and also racist crimes against all people of color, against Blacks and all people of color had tripled in Michigan alone. 
in 2017, one year after the presidential election. And I used those statistics for the book proposal. And I said, now is the time because Asian Americans are fighting back because that was around the time that you started seeing people using the iPhones to you know, catch mm-hmm. the Karens and action. Capture the Karens in the wild. Karens. And catch the Karens. <laughs> and, and there were a lot of uh, Asian American examples of Asian racism. And I thought, oh, people are finally actually seeing video evidence of this. But what shocked us was when right, the book, it sold in 2018. I wrote it, I did all my research and travel, and then I started writing in 2019. And then what happened in 2020 on May, late May 2020, my editor from Norton called Simon Bottom. He's a very famous editor. He's, it's, it's an honor to work with him. He called and he said, yeah, it's not good for, it's not good for Asians right now. And it's very similar. It's very similar to what's happening to Vincent Chin. We think you should write an afterword. So I wrote the afterword on May 30th, 2020, the night that the National Guard was called in and there was an 8.30 curfew in LA because of the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening because of George Floyd and when all the fires and, and the protests started happening across the country. So that's when I wrote the afterword. And uh, just to give some people, maybe not everybody knows this, but Vincent Chin was killed by two white auto workers in 1982 at the height of anti-Japanese sentiment because the American auto industry was going through a bad time. There were hundreds of thousands of layoffs happening in the early 80s. There was a recession. There were two, not one, but two oil prices. And American GM Ford Chrysler, the American car companies were still making big gas guzzlers is what we called them. And Japan were, uh, Japanese import cars were becoming more popular, you know, Hondas, Datsuns, Toyotas. And so they were more fuel efficient. They were smaller. So instead of the American auto industry going, hey, maybe we should make smaller, more fuel efficient cars, they scapegoated Japan. And they said, it's your fault that we're unemployed. We're going to bash in your Jap car. We're one politician called Honda quote unquote, the little yellow people. You know, he would later apologize for that, but he should have never said that in the first place. And that was very similar to what was happening in May of 2020, where suddenly, you know, even I myself, people would say China virus or, you know, call me a chink or something like that and blame me or cough in my direction or pull their kids away from me because they didn't want to get the virus from me. And it was very similar to what was happening in the 1980s. So that's why I wrote that forward. And then when Atlanta, and then the book came out, and then Atlanta happened. Actually, Atlanta happened. The spa shootings happened one month before my book was officially released. My book came out in April, April 20th of 2021. And the spa shootings happened in 2021 and uh, in March. And so the book went viral out of nowhere. And I didn't get any sleep for about three months because everyone was calling me. And although I'm grateful the book has gotten a lot of attention and it's very important to me that the book be taught in schools. I would never have wanted it to go viral because of this. It, it, it broke. It was heartbreaking. It was very emotional. So timing is a weird thing. It's like you. you it, it's good because it's getting the story out, and it's sad because it's still so relevant. So real quick. So are you? You mentioned your parents. You were raised by your parents, who you know, basically during the Korean War. Were your? Are you first generation? New generation zero? I think I'm, I don't know how the generations work, but my mom and dad both came out to the States in uh, the early 1960s. You know, I was born, I was born in America. So I'm, 
I'm the first generation American, but my parents are, and then they became citizens and all of that. Yeah. But they were, my mom, I think was eight and my dad was 12 during the Korean war. So. How much does that period of time and your parents influence how active you are in this period of time? Like writing the book and wanting to put the story of Vincent Chin out there and really, really, I guess, trying to understand, like, you know, your parents saw some things and probably experienced a lot of this same stuff when they moved here, especially at the timing that they moved here. And then you were born and you grew up seeing what they experienced, experiencing things yourself. Then you fast forward and we talk about our, our cicadas of, of Asian hate in America, at least from a reporting standpoint. So how much does that period of time influence your wanting to move this, this story out there to educate people about the history of, of Asian crime in America? I think with the older generation, they were basically the silent generation because you kept your head down, you didn't try to rock the boat, work hard, you could achieve the American dream. And when their children, I'm Generation X, so when their children were born here, and also ba- there are baby boomers who were also born here as well. You know, we we've been here since the 1800s, so you know they're 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 fourth generation Asian Americans. I would I would say with every generation, every generation gets louder, and I don't necessarily think it's only for Asian Americans. It's also for the the Black community, for the African American community. There was a lot of sundown towns. There was slavery. You were quiet. You didn't want to cause trouble because then trouble would come for you. I mean, and I do have to credit a lot of times we talk about the older generation, like, oh, you guys were too quiet. And so that silence is complicit. You're being complicit. And the younger generations were fighting back. You know, Paula wrote a book, you know, people are making movies and it's like, yeah, but if our parents and grandparents, great great parents, if they spoke Such up, they could get right? killed. That's, yeah, yeah, their literal yeah. lives were in danger. So I think that what we have to do is we have to honor their silence in yeah. terms of look their at the silence book. Like, was look how at the they book. survived to give the new generation a voice to speak out because they never had a chance to speak out. We're speaking out for them. There's a moment in my book where I talk about the Chinese laborers because Vincent Chin, um, he was adopted, but his adopted mother's uh, great-grandfather worked on the railroad. And back in the 1800s, the white railroad companies, they made the Chinese laborers carry the dynamite because it was very volatile back then. It could blow up at any second. And Chinese laborers were like half the price of a white laborer. They were, they were, they were cheap. So their lives were not as important. And also because they weren't white, you can do the math there as well. You know, and, and so when the railroad was, was built, the Chinese, hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of Chinese laborers were killed and uh, died because it was very dangerous work. They weren't in the picture at the end. Their contributions were erased. So it was important for me to include that in the book to say, hey, let's, on, you know, were, were they complicit? Were they cowards for not fighting back? No, they were incredibly courageous for doing what they did because they left the voice. You look at people like Fred Hampton, you look at Malcolm X, you look at MLK, like, yes, they spoke out, but they did not live a long life. I mean, Fred Hampton died in his early 20s. 
And so, I mean, it, it's real that the people that actually did speak out, it's hard. That's a hard decision to risk your life to speak out for it. And people are assassinated. People are killed by the police or people are killed by mobs or the KKK lynched. There's such a, a reality of every moment where we have the luxury of hindsight. So we don't effectively look back in time based on the perspective of that time. We look back in time based on the perspective of our time. And then we judge it and criticize it and say, no. And so I, I greatly appreciate that perspective and, and sharing. And Rodney, go, you have a question. Yeah, I want, so to a rallying cry and galvanizing the, the movement, like talking about, the movement against violence towards uh, API peoples in America, where is the movement right now in September of 2021? Like, where, where do you see things? The movement is getting more nuanced and more complex as it should, because I think it's too easy to say there are racist, evil villains and the people of color and Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. We're all the good people. It's like, no, there's a lot of prejudice within the Asian community. You know, Not all I'm Asians now, get along. <laughs> yeah, I'm now seeing, yeah, I'm now seeing the whole AAPI because it, it used to be back before Vincent Chin's time, you were either Korean, Chinese, Indian, Japanese, or whatever. Asian American was only the term used by college students. But after Vincent Chin, grandmas, grandpas, aunties, uncles, older people, younger, it became a mainstream term. And then the term evolved to Asian Pacific American, Asian Pacific Islander. Now we have AAPI, which is Asian American Pacific Islanders. But now the new debate is don't say AAPI unless you're actually going to list real life Pacific Islanders, you know, and and know what a Pacific Islander is, you know, by, by saying AAPI, but you don't list any PIs that's erasure or you're being performative. So that that's a new debate I've seen. I'm also seeing a lot about solidarity, which I think is very important because a lot of times white supremacy tends to pit minority groups. I hate using that term, but I'm just using it in terms of math. I mean, you know, from a number standpoint, it, it yeah, has validity. Yeah, exactly. From a numbers perspective, pitting us against each other, and one of the uh, and the thing that was no surprise to any of the, any of the Asians, at least, because of the spike in anti Asian racism because of the pandemic, there were a lot of viral videos showing black men pushing elderly Asian, you know, grandmas and grandpas on the street. And I remember getting a little suspicious because you know a lot of it seemed like, well, wait a minute. And then they found they came out with a survey. This uh, university professor they did they crunched the numbers. Seventy five percent of anti Asian pandemic related racism and hate crimes have been perpetuated by white people, but instead they kept showing that. And so uh, that really frustrated me uh, in turn. And I think that's a concern for a lot of us because is there anti blackness? Is there homophobia? Is there, are there a lot of isms in the Asian community? Of course there is because it exists in all They exist in the black community. They exist in the Latino, Latina, Latinx community. I think but what you're bringing up here as a place I wanted to go and I didn't know how to go. The, if we start talking about how, I mean, Asians have been caught between this in, in this country being caught between this white and black thing and, and 
very, we want to talk about chess, strategically moved to divert the conversation away from the conversation. And you've got the model minority myth, you've got, and you mentioned earlier, uh, the solidarity with Black Panthers, like there has been solidarity between Black and Asian communities in the US, but there's also a lot of angst and a lot of anger and a lot of, but that's been sown purposefully from from legislation. Like it's easy to say like, oh, white supremacy is driving a wedge between Asians and Blacks in America. But like when you look at actual policy for like LA where uh, it's like, why is there always like a Korean hair place in the middle of the hood? And it's like, well, that was actually designed on purpose because those Black folk couldn't get loans to run business in their own neighborhoods. And the only place that the Koreans could get it was in those places in the hood and they had to stay there. They could not leave. And so that was purposefully done to sow distrust and, and have and have not between those two groups, because now that's all they see. Now we can't go figure out the bigger issues. Completely. That, that is completely true. And also with the negative toxic racist imagery of the black community in the media, in racist movements, that get imported to other countries and things like that, you know, obviously that also perpetuates this discrimination and ignorance. Now, having said that, I've seen a lot of racist things in my life. And even as a kid, th- that never made me think, oh, I- I'm, I'm scared of, you know, someone who is black or I'm scared of, you know, this person or whatever. That, I-, I never thought that. I was like, this is a stupid movie. <laughs> you know, this is, this is not right. So, so I also don't, you're smarter than the average bear, yeah, Paula. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paula, Paula, <laughs> Paula, you're a pretty intelligent person. Right? <laughs> but, but I think that, you know, people do have to be accountable for, well, it was the racist imagery in the media. Yeah. But couldn't you have maybe asked a few questions? So, I mean, we, we still have to be accountable. You know, it's like, I'm now as a Cisgen- yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be more conscientious of not seeing certain phrases anymore that are ableist. I'm educating myself. So I do think that you can only rely to, to, for too long on these wedges, on all of that. But, but I agree with you. And I think that uh, just going back to the original question, I think the new move is solidarity. There has been um, Asians for Black Lives. I mean, one of the most beautiful things I saw as a Korean American was there's no literal translation for the term Black Lives Matter. And there's been a reckoning in Korea because of the way Blacks and also mixed race Korean kids are treated in that country. It's a long hit because Korea was always a very, it was known as the hermit kingdom. They're very proud of being very nationalistic, very, you're 100% Korean. And they're going through, I think, a reckoning right now, realizing, oh, it's not cool what we've done. And so what they created, the phrase in Korean for Black Lives Matter is Black Lives Are Precious. And I found that, that made me cry. And I found that really beautiful. And I found that, and, and that's kind of stuff needs to be in the media. That needs to show people can change. People can grow. People, you know, can move forward in terms of healing and being accountable. And, and I think that, um, you know, now they're realizing, oh, cultural mis appropriation, you know, in music and whatever it's, it's, you know, people are, I think these are really hard. This is the hard, difficult, nuanced conversation that we need to have about race, because we need to talk about discrimination and prejudice within our own communities and between the different diverse communities and figure out how can we all come together as one 
And I think that that's, that's the next evolution coming through. And I don't think it's a coincidence that people are scared of critical race theory and also conflating it and misrepresenting it. And also what happened with the election, what happened with the insurrection, you know, it's, it's, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not a bunch of, it's not a bunch of blacks, Latinx, Latino, and and Asians all, you know, and the LGBT, we're not all ganging together to get rid of the white man. Well, I, so, I mean, I think that's an important point. It's part of this is, you mentioned the issues within the community. Like I've listened to, there's this wonderful platform, Clubhouse, where there's been over the past five months, six months, a lot of conversations. A lot of them, some of them really good and some of them just conversations or just people yelling. And it was predominantly Asian Americans of all backgrounds and Black Americans of all backgrounds just having it out. And like there were there were fights between in groups and out groups. And then there was also solidarity. And it's just confusing because I think part of it is that none of us are, or very few of us are immune to those signals and images from like those racist signals and images, the legislature and the things that have actually affected our lives. Like I heard some people with just like so much pain because how they were treated by this black dude or how he was treated by this Asian guy. And that's what they bring to the table is like that personal anecdotal experience. And they can't oftentimes they're unable to pull it back and see like, well, why did that happen? Like that was actually a result of of a, of a system put in place to cause that reaction. And it's hard to, it's hard to separate yourself from that when it's a personal experience. At least that's, that's what I'm hearing, like the pain in some of these people. And ultimately that has been a thing that has kept the minorities in America from having this joint solidarity to say like, yo, like we got to just like, it's not even about just, it's not about hating the white man. It's just like, oh, like there are laws that just don't, they do not serve everybody. And we need to break that. We need to stop that so that we can all be, a, we can actually get an equal shake. And there's so much nuance and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurt. And I I think your book does a beautiful job of like, of walking us through the history and starting to unpeel some of those layers. Like, why did this happen? Like, why, where were the interests? Where do people, why do people make a decision to do something like that? So heinous, like, nah, cause people will, I think some people look at it and they're like, but I would never, I would never do that to somebody. I don't hate Asians. I don't hate black people. I, I would never do what Hitler did. I would never be a German on the side. And it's like, turns out like you might care about a lot of these other things that led to it. And that's important to understand. Mm -hmm. Well, I think both of what you just said leads very nicely into our final question because we are past time and I want to be respectful. I don't know how it happens. Every time it happens. It happens. It creeps up on us. And before I ask the final question, well, yes, thank you. Thank you so very much. Before I ask the final question, I want to show, show the book to the peoples. Go buy it. Go read it. Go learn. Uh, and I also want to ask, where can people find you if you want them to find you? 
people can find me uh, polyu.com and it's just polyu for my, that's my handle for Twitter, YouTube and Instagram and a lot of cat videos and violin videos love on that. YouTube. And, I uh, love the where are you series. You got to bring that back. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. I haven't done that in a while. It's, well, I, I guess like you haven't really been going a lot of places, you know, it's COVID. I know right? I, I, I've been, I've been hidden. I, I do want to add just, I don't know if you can include this, but I did want to add one final thing to our previous conversation. Uh, when I when I wrote the Vincent Chin book, I, I do want to say that Helen Zia, Jim Shimura, and Roland Huang, and all the Asian American activists really credited the Black community in Detroit for solidarity, and they credit they owe they said they owed quote a great de- uh, a debt of gratitude to the Black leaders in Detroit because no one was going to listen to them until the Black community stepped up, people like Congressman John Conyers, Jesse Jackson, who also just recently wrote an essay about Vincent Chin in Atlanta back in March. You know, they came in and said, this is not right. And then that's when people really started listening. What does compassion mean to you? Oh, let's see how it leads in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's weird. The first word that... (laughs) The way you said that was just oh, brilliantly okay. funny. Oh, oh, I see how it leads to. <laughs> uh, it's weird. The first word that's popping into my head is quiet. And I think if I follow my train of thought, quiet is about being humble. It's about humility. And yeah, compassion. compassion to me is about being humble and having humility and knowing that you are not better than someone else. You are not helping someone. I mean, yeah, obviously you might be able to help someone because I make more money than you so I can donate more money to a charity. That's that's all logical. But I think in terms of from the heart, compassion is saying, yeah, I, I guess compassion is humility to me because if you don't have the humility to realize that you're no better than anyone else, how can you help someone?